Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Good morning. Okay, I have a question for you. You ready? You ready? Already, already, I have a question. All right. Have you ever been doing something, working on something, and um, it's going really, really, really well, and it makes you a little bit suspicious as to why it's going so well? Anybody else? Um, so uh, that um, happens to me all too often, more than I'd like to admit. And uh, I remember, I want to tell you a story of the first time uh, that it happened to me. So I was, um, <clears throat> my mom decided, so when I was younger, my mom decided to homeschool. Hold your applause. I know that's a big deal here. Uh, homeschooling is a big thing, right? Um, so I was only homeschooled for half of first grade. So that should tell you <laughs> that should tell you something about me as a student, okay? Um, and so I remember we were sitting in our uh, dining room um, doing math, and uh, and she taught me my math, <clears throat> and it was time to take a quiz. And so uh, so she leaves, she puts a quiz here in front of me, and then she leaves the room, and uh, I proceed to take my quiz. I'm like, all right, first question. Nailed it. Second question, doing super good. Third question, and then I realized something. The first three answers are all exactly the same. Pattern recognition, come on. And so I finished this quiz in record time, and I'm out the door playing, having a great time. Thanks, Mom. Super easy. Um, so then Mom comes out, and she's like, you're done already? I'm like, yeah. Hey, and I wanted to tell you, um, thank you for making all the questions on the quiz exactly the same. What? <laughs> so then I uh, found myself in a uniform, seated at a desk at a public school, uh, very soon after. Uh, so what does this story have any to do with anything, right? Um, so I think, imagine with me, uh, I think our Christian life is like this a little bit, okay? So um, the dining room represents our life. The quiz maybe represents our Christian life. And I think a lot of the times in our Christian life, we're just on repeat. We're on pattern recognition mode. We see the pattern like, ah, got it, out the door, thanks. Ready for the next quiz, mom? <laughs> and so what I think these patterns are is I think, um, okay, just imagine, right? We're, we're in the dining room of homeschool Jesus. I don't know. Um, we're in the dining room. We're taking the Christian quiz, and the first answer is uh, go to church every three weekends out of the month. The second question is um, read your Bible every day. The third question is no matter what, um, compliment the pastor even if he did a bad job. The third question is Spotify worship playlist is a must. Repeat. It's just over and over and over again. And I think we get in this rhythm of our Christian life where we're just, we're kind of on repeat, right? Are you with me? You know what I mean? We're just doing the same thing over and over again. And I think the tragedy, um, like me as the first grader, is in the moment I didn't realize that I did anything wrong. I thought I was taking the test. I thought I aced it. I was outside playing. But I think some of us in our Christian life Maybe in the moment we don't realize it's wrong, and then maybe for years we don't realize we're doing anything wrong, right? And if you're anything like me, um, I would love to be able to grade my own papers, right? <laughs> Wouldn't you? 
we'd be killing it right now if we could grade our own papers. But I think there's a greater reality out there, and the reality is that we don't get to grade our own papers. Who does? It's him, right? So what do we do about it? What do we do about this? I, so I want to, uh, we're going to walk through the book of, uh, not the, we're not going to go through a whole book, sorry. Um, we're going to walk through John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, or if you trust me, we're going to be in John chapter 15. This is John chapter 15, verse uh, 1 through 8. And so first I want to give us a little context. I want to paint a picture for you before we read this passage. So uh, John 15, uh, this is a really, um, uh, I imagine it as a really heavy moment, okay? So uh, Jesus and his disciples have just had the Last Supper. They took, that's kind of where we get communion, right? They just had the Last Supper. And do you remember what happened at the Last Supper? Jesus calls out Judas for being a traitor, go and do what you have to do. And so Judas leaves the room. And then what happens is he shares these um, really, spe- it's like this really special moment. I don't know, okay, I don't know if you've ever like been in a situation where uh, someone gets in trouble <laughs> and it makes you feel really awkward um, and you don't know what to do and it, like, do I say anything? Like they just got fussed at and I, what do I, do? I think it's kind of this tense, awkward moment because now this 12 that have been together brotherhood for three years, all of a sudden it's 11. It's like, what in the world is going on? Why did Judas leave? And so then what's happening is they're leaving the upper room, they're crossing the valley to go up into the Garden of Gethsemane, and we know what happens there. So this is a really heavy moment. And these are really important words, right? Because Jesus knows that this is, um, it's like his death is quickly approaching. And so I think we really want to pay a lot of attention to the words that he's sharing with his disciples right now. So let's go through John 15. This is John 15, verse 1. Jesus is speaking to the 11, and he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes to make it more fruitful. So no matter what, we're getting cut. (laughs) It's kind of a lose-lose here. (laughs) Already you are clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you unless you abide in me. So verse 5 is pretty similar to verse 4. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's like the main point of what he's saying. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you... Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove that you're my disciples. So there's a lot in there, but we can see in verse 8, that last verse, the main point of what he's talking about. We understand the context of what's going on. The main point of this is, this is how you know you're my disciples. This is how you know you can prove you're a true disciple, the genuine nature of discipleship. And how do we know? It's the fruit. Nothing is more important than this. So what I want to do, as we've just read that whole 
chunk of scripture. Now I want to walk through it verse by verse so that we can uh, pull out of it and glean uh, out of it all we can. So let's go back to verse 1. It says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. So I am. Um, This is uh, such an incredible verse. It's such an incredible statement that Jesus is making. So in the book of John, John records seven I am statements that Jesus makes. Um, And all of these I am statements, uh, and if you remember uh, in the Old Testament, this is God's name for himself, I am that I am. This is a claim of divinity. This is I am God. And this is the seventh of those seven I am statements. So I am, this is like, listen up. This is who God is. This is who I am. And then second is I am the vine. And so the, the, the interesting thing about Jesus claiming to be a vine is in this culture, and the disciples probably knew this really well, they knew of another vine. They knew of a defective vine. They knew of a broken vine. They knew of an unproductive vine already. And if we look in the Old Testament that all the disciples knew really well, the vine talked a lot about Israel, and Israel was the vine. Prophet after prophet talked about how Israel was the vine. I'll read you from uh, Isaiah 5. It says, My beloved had a vineyard, that is God, had a vineyard, on a very fertile hill. He dug it and he cleared it of stones. That's a lot of work. He planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it. He hewed out a wine vat in it. He looked for it to yield grapes, but it only yielded wild grapes. And this word for wild grapes is basically good for nothing, sour berries. And so what more could have been done for this vineyard? So this vine Um, And then uh, in Psalm 80, Psalm 80 does a really good job of kind of laying out this picture of what the vine should represent. It talks about how this vine spread out all over Israel and it was productive and then something happened. It became broken and diseased. And so what Jesus is saying here, when he says, I am the vine, he says, I am what Israel, I am what you could never be. I have come to accomplish what you could never accomplish on your own. So this is quite the statement that Jesus is making. And another thing that he's saying, the one that really um, uh, gets me, is that he says, um, you think that you are connected to the vine because you're a Jew. You think that you're connected to the life source of God because of who you are. But I'm coming in, I am statement, I am God. I am the vine, I'm what you could never be. And you being connected to me says that now you're connected to God because you're connected to me, not because of what you do, not because of who you are, but because of who you're connected to. I'm coming to replace Israel as the vine and to be the true vine. Are you following me? You understand that? That Jesus is, this is like a a line in the sand, I am the vine. 
He's also instituting the new covenant. The disciples are kind of starting to get what he's talking about. Because, I mean, you, you've been thick in this culture of understanding what the vine is, and then your friend says that he's the vine. You're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. No. <laughs> it's been years and years and years of understanding it another way, and Jesus is saying, no, you've got it wrong. So verse 2, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit... He prunes that it bear more fruit. So, sounds like a lose-lose, doesn't it? If you're connected to Jesus, if you're connected to the vine, no matter what, you're getting cut. <laughs> but what I want to uh, lay out here for you today is that he, he talks about two kinds of branches, okay? So the first branch is the one that gets cut off. And I think the, um, the sort of sobering thought about that is that I can be connected to God and have no part in him. I can be connected to the vine and not produce fruit. So just because you look the part doesn't imply fruit. You can have a form of godliness with no life flowing through you or out of you. And like he says in verse 8, all of this, the fruit that should be produced in your life, is how you know you're a true disciple of Jesus. So what are you without fruit? What's a branch? What good is a branch without fruit? And then he talks about another branch. Now this is the branch that is pruned. So I... Um, I did a little research on um, grapevines and pruning and stuff. Uh, but if you uh, are from Palisade, please tell me if I got this wrong, because <laughs> uh, you definitely know more than I do. Uh, but um, what, I, what I researched is uh, grapevines are pruned every year, once a year, every year. They're usually pruned in winter. And at about a year old, they're like this tall. And that first year, everything is cut back. Everything. And the purpose of this is so that it grows a strong trunk, that it, the vine can grow up. And then the second year, everything but like the branches that are about a, the thickness of a pencil are cut off. So it only leaves about like four branches maybe. And then the third year is the, the year that it's considered to be fruitful and mature. And so the purpose of pruning, now one, yeah, is to probably cut off disease, to keep it healthy. But the main point of pruning is fruit production. That is the main point. And the branches that are pruned to produce more fruit are the branches with buds on them. They have potential of bearing fruit. And the reason why you prune it is so it concentrates the nutrients coming from the vine so that it can be more fruitful. Because if you don't prune a vine, it'll continue to grow. But the grapes um, from what I understand, never become fully ripe. They become sour. And so I want you to imagine with me, <clears throat> be the plant, <laughs> okay? We're the, we're, we're the branches. It hurts to be pruned. I love my branches. Please don't cut them, <laughs> right? But pruning is good, is it not? 
pruning like we love our branches. We love the comfort of how this feels and the shade and, oh, it's winter, please not now. Oh, gosh. And it hurts. But the point of pruning is to produce fruit in your life. Because why does anyone have branches? To produce fruit. So uh, let's talk about um, pruning in reality for a second. I think as Christians, we talk a lot about pruning. And we don't usually mention pruning because the vacation was awesome. We talk about pruning because we're going through what? A difficult time. We're going through heartache. We're going through struggle. We're going through loss. And so let's really bring this into the real world. Um, And I think Hebrews 11, uh, sorry, Hebrews 12, um, verses 7 through 11, I'll read it for you, um, really gives us a good picture of what pruning should do in our life. So this is Hebrews um, 12, 7. It says, um, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as his sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline. I know it wasn't me. If you are left without discipline, in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, and it seemed best to them, But he disciplines us for our own good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline, all pruning seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, check this out, later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What does this mean? Without discipline, you aren't loved. Without discipline, you're not a true child. Without pruning, we aren't loved. And then something else, what does an overgrown vine full of branches say about the vine dresser? Right? What is an overgrown vine? You go up to the vine and there's nothing but branches. What does it say about the vine dresser. So that is the purpose of pruning. That is the point of pruning in our life. Welcome that pruning when it comes. Now, I think we can wallow in disappointment, if you're anything like me. You can create dissonance between you and the pain, and we can feel sorry for ourselves and complain, and oh God, why me? But I think what God is inviting us into when we're in seasons or times of pruning is that we would pray prayers like, God, oh, I embrace this. Because what I know about pruning is that you see potential in me to produce what I never thought I could produce. That's why pruning comes into our life because you expect me, you long for me to produce much fruit. And like Hebrew says, the fruit of righteousness and holiness. So verse three, 
It says, you are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. I want to be really quick on this because this kind of verse seems random, but I think it's kind of more like parenthetical It's like um, to me. And so this is where context is really important. Remember that, that scene we painted earlier. Um, so basically what I think Jesus is saying here is that now that Judas has left the room, let's talk about what it really means to be my disciple. Because this conversation means nothing This conversation has no point unless you're my disciples. So since you're my disciples, Jesus gets to the point here. He says, this is how you're my disciple. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what this is saying is if your Christian life is going really well, you should be a little suspicious of why it's going so well. Because if you're connected to the vine, there's pruning and there's cutting that comes with that. So remember, um, remember the test, me as a <laughs> first grader Winston, um, Imagine that test again. And so uh, we are uh, connected to the vine, right? But what we do is we take the quiz and we're done in record time and we're outside playing. Thanks for the test. Ready for the next one. But here's the problem. I didn't ace it. I didn't ace the test. Um, (laughs) I thought the test, the point of the test was to get done with it as soon as possible. But public school taught me Um, that it's actually to get good grades and not to get done with it quickly. I can think um, that we look like we're living the Christian life, right? We can look like we're living the Christian life. We can produce branches under our own power, I think. Look at me. I'm lush. I'm producing a lot. But what's the point of branches? It's fruit, right? So how do we know that we're doing right? What's fruit, finally? (laughs) What is fruit? How do we know that we're getting it right? Remember that fruit is the point. The branches, the looking like a Christian has never been the point. And here's what I think fruit is. Fruit is something that you cannot produce on your own. Because if it comes from you, if you can do it on your own and under your own strength, it's probably not fruit. I think a fruit-filled life is being connected to the vine and the Holy Spirit moving in your life and producing something out of you and because of you that you know for sure you couldn't have done on yourself. I think fruit is miracles. I think fruit is locking yourself away in a prayer closet and praying for God to move, and then you come out and you realize that God has moved on your behalf because you prayed and, and God prayed through you and worked through you. I, like we, we talk about, um, or we, we know the, the fruit of the spirit, right? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. But the thing about it is like maybe we're good in a few of those areas, 
Maybe our branches can grow in love and maybe it can grow in patience. But the thing is that, that God makes really clear is that's one fruit of the Spirit. It does not separate itself from itself. The fruit of the Spirit is one thing produced in our life because of what God is doing in us and through us. I think that's the fruit that God desires to produce in our life. And so if we can do it on our own, I think it's branches and not fruit. I think if we can look the part and play the part, it's branches. This is um, verse 6. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So um, Tim told me that when you run into a verse like this, say, um, I don't have time to get into this right now. It's, it's a really good verse. Um, I preach about once a year, so uh, you're just going to have to stick around for another year and hear the second part of this message um, because, man, it's going to be really good. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just really comfortable. I'm uncomfortable with this verse, so let's go to verse 7. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just joking. I'll go for it. Um, <laughs> so this is where context is so important. He's saying, you can look like Christians and have no part in the kingdom. Remember what just happened to Judas, right? He leaves the room. There's that awkward, tense moment. And what I find really interesting about the story of when Jesus says, someone here, this is like in the, the, the Last Supper, Jesus says, someone here will betray me. And remember what happened? Everybody looks at Judas and they realize it's him. No. What happens, Mark uh, 14 something says that one by one, they all said, is it me? Am I going to be the one that betrays you? What I think is really curious about that is I think when we live this Christian life as fellow branches together connected to the vine, we all want to believe that we're all producing fruit. Or uh, for someone, we might believe they have the potential, at least, to produce fruit, right? No one knew if it was them. The disciples didn't all look at Judas and be like, oh yeah, they all wondered. So we can all look the part. We can all play the part. And again, I think the temptation as fellow branches connected to the vine is we all assume that we're producing or have the potential. And then the thing, man, if you're anything like me and you're like, if our roles are reversed, I'm getting really defensive right now. Because it's really hard to admit, it's really hard to acknowledge, it's really hard to think that I might not be producing fruit. That is a tough pill to swallow. I can feel the distance between us right now. It's so hard to admit that there might not be fruit in my life. But 
your life connected to the vine is not about looking like you're connected to the vine for the sake of looking like it. Your life is to be fruitful and productive and God moving through you to produce something that you couldn't on your own. So my question for you is, are you a branch connected to Jesus with no fruit? Maybe you're just a branch. And do you remember uh, what Jesus says, like verse four and five, that main point? What does he say? Abide in me. Webster defines the word, um, and I think this is a really powerful definition, especially if we imagine our relationship with Jesus as we listen to this definition of this word. Bear patiently, that's what abide means. Endure without yielding, to wait for, to accept without reject, to upset, excuse me, to accept without objection, to remain stable or in a fixed state. Does that describe your relationship with Jesus? Are you connected to him? Are you abiding in Jesus? I mean, I, I, honestly, I think some of us are just tired. I think some of us are really tired. Um, I, I know <laughs> I get tired of the Christian life. I get tired of doing the right thing over and over again. I'm really critical of myself. Enneagram one, anybody? Super self-critical. And so I get tired of trying to do it right, better than it was yesterday, trying to look the part. And I think we're tired because we're doing it on our own, under our own strength. We're trying to produce self. We're trying to produce fruit by ourself, a lonely branch cut off from the vine, straining as much as it can, it'll never produce fruit. I think some of us are tired because we're doing this on our own. I think some of us need to ask Jesus to come back into our life and surrender to him because I'm tired of doing it by myself and trying to produce fruit that only God can produce in my life. Jesus, come back in. And I think, um, like me, I would be really afraid of getting Christian tested right now, (laughs) having that test laid out in front of me. And so uh, what I want us to do, uh, to imagine, is um, remember in the story, my mom left the room and I was left to take the test by myself. I want to invite him back in and say, God, I don't want to do the Christian life without you. I don't want to take the test and just be on repeat and notice the Christian pattern and do it over and over and over again. God, I need you to come into my life so I can abide. I want to abide with you. So what's the point? What does this mean? I think, I think there's three of us in the room, three kinds of us. I think, uh, one, maybe you need pruning. Two, maybe you're tired of doing it on your own and you need to invite him back in. And three, I think your Christian life might be going suspiciously well. It might be going really well 
And so let me break down those three and see uh, if you fit into any of those categories. So I think pruning. I think if you're um, in a season of pruning where life is difficult, you're going through the struggle, something outside your control has happened to you, you're experiencing uh, spiritual warfare, like unexplainable things over and over again, or maybe it's just a difficult time. I think something for you to glean from this passage, what if you prayed prayers like, thank you, God? Because what I understand about pruning is that you see potential in me to produce more fruit for your kingdom than what I'm already producing now. Because the interesting thing, uh, if you've ever pruned anything, you don't usually prune something unless there's buds below it, right? You see the potential of what it could be, and I'm going to cut right here so it produces immaculate fruit. Fruit that you could never produce on your own. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're in a season of pruning. Being thankful for the trials. Maybe acknowledging what are the things that are holding me back. And I think also for, for pruning and healthy growth, uh, like any plant, um, if you're a green thumb, uh, not me, um, the environment matters. The environment that something is in to grow really matters. It's the soil, it's the sunlight. For us, it's the people around us. It's what we listen to, it's what we see, it's what we take in, it's the time that we're spending with God or not. Environment matters. Maybe your heart's far from God and it's sobering because you might realize you're doing this without him. So the second one, the, uh, maybe you're doing it alone. Maybe you're um, checking off the basic boxes of Christianity. You're just doing the church thing. You're just doing the no cussing thing. You're just doing the, um, I don't know, what are the other things? We all know. We, all, we play the game sometimes, right? We know the, the Christian things to do and what not to do, what to look like, what to sound like, what to be like. And I would say if you're living a life like that, just checking the basic boxes, seeing the pattern and repeating it, maybe you're growing just branches. And maybe you're proud of it. Maybe you're proud of the, the Christian life that you have produced. But if it's void of God's fruit in your life, I bet you're probably really tired if you stopped and thought about it. Because what it means is that we're doing this without him. And lastly, maybe uh, it's going suspiciously well for you. Maybe you feel like you're crushing it. You just finished the Christian test. Thanks, God, ready for the next one. You're outside playing. And what I think that means is that um, maybe you're doing the Christian life. It's really similar to the second person. But I think with this one, um, you you haven't given thought to what a fruitful life with Christ might mean. But you're enjoying it with no acknowledgement of something might be wrong. And my invitation to you 
is that maybe it's time to come back inside and reevaluate the test that you've just taken. Maybe it's time to come inside and reevaluate your Christian life, your walk with him. Can you imagine if we were a body of believers, of branches, connected to the vine, bending and maybe almost breaking under the weight of the fruit that God has produced in our life and through our church and in our valley? Could you imagine what that would be like? Because this fruit is not something that we could produce on our own, it's unlike anything else. It's so evident that God is working through your life and you're an open vessel for him. God, move through me because we've invited him back in. We've invited him back into the church, back into our life. God, we won't, we won't do the pattern just for pattern's sake. God, we want miracles to come and move through us. We want uh, fruit in our life that it's so evident to everyone else and us that it's God moving through us. Could you imagine what that would be like? Ugh, I want to be a part of a church like that. <laughs> Come on. I want God to be evident in us and through us. And the way it's done is we abide in him. We abide in him. So where are you at today? Do you need to come and reevaluate your life with him? Do you need to welcome pruning in your life so it leads and guides you to produce fruit for the kingdom of God and make the vine dresser look good. I don't want to be a, a branch full of beautiful leaves and look the part because what everybody else sees is just that, leaves. Where's the fruit? I want to be a life that, is, uh, <laughs> that makes him look good, that everybody knows the fruit of God is coming through my life. Don't you? Don't you want that life, a life of God producing fruit through you? Let's, um, let's pray for a second. Jesus. Yeah, let's... Um, Lord, we just want to wait on you. Lord, we acknowledge your presence in the room right now. We acknowledge your activity in our life right now. But God, would it become more present and more clear right now, Lord? Holy Spirit, I just, um, uh, I pray for dissatisfaction to uh, well up in us. God, I pray for boldness and strength, for the ability if, um, if someone in the room right now is realizing that there might not be fruit in their life, that they would have the boldness to change and to invite you back into the room to do the Christian life without you is meaningless, Lord, because it produces no fruit. Jesus, come back in. Let us abide in you. God, we want to produce fruit that is unexplainable by our own human effort. God, come and prune us. 
that we may be productive for your kingdom. Jesus, we need you more. In your name we pray. Amen.